right. How are you guys? Hanging in there? Enjoying it? How was your week? My week was nuts. Work was, well, it was work. Pe- the, the, Pe- Pepsi's been a great place, but it's been, it's been stressful lately. So I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad that you're here and that we get to jump in to God's Word because that's where we find hope, and that's where we find our uh, inspiration. And uh, I have a couple of announcements before we jump into the message, and it's kind of exciting. Um, I've, I've talked about making uh, our footprint, or our impact in the community, and on the 22nd, we are going to do that. It's a program we did last year, and that I'm excited we're doing again this year, and we are going to be giving out backpacks to kids in our community. Uh, we have ordered 144 backpacks to give out to kids, and uh, it's, it's really exciting, and I um, want to invite you guys to come alongside us and, and help hand these out. Uh, we're going to be doing it in two weeks on the 22nd of August. I know school um, is starting right around that time, so hopefully we kind of get in there before kids start going back or parents start uh, going out and buying uh, supplies for their kids, but we will have an announcement uh, that you can take with you to hand to your neighbors at the end of service so you can uh, spread the word that we have some backpacks we would like to give out. We're also going to put it on our Facebook page, and we're just going to give them out right here uh, at the church, and uh, if you would like to be a part of that and volunteer, we have a sign-up sheet in the back. Uh, we're going to get here probably a little, it says 10 to 1.30, we'll get here a little earlier than 10 to uh, set up and, and get everything out and ready, but we'll start handing them out at 10, and uh, we'll actually end the giving out around 1 o'clock, the 1.30 is for cleanup time, so we're going to be handing out for about three hours, so... Um, Sign up, get involved with that because um, we have, thank you, set up is at 10, handing out at is 11. Uh, if you have questions, ask Tiffany and she's the one that's coordinating all of it. I'm just the guy up here with the microphone. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so 11 o'clock we're handing out, 10 to 11 is set up, because that takes a lot of work to set up the tables, we got tents so people aren't standing in the sun and out all the backpacks uh, so come get involved with that that'd be a lot of fun and um, because of your faithfulness we're able to do something like this uh, your faithfulness and your giving of your time your abilities but also your finances um, and I have to say thank you uh, for the, the little church that we are you guys are great givers and it, it's it's exciting to see and be involved with people that are willing to give so selflessly. And so I have to say thank you, because without your faithfulness, without your generosity, we would not be able to give out backpacks to our community. So I applaud you. Uh, thank you very much. Um, and if you have any uh, gifts, tithes, offerings, you can give uh, in the back at the kiosk or online at Life Church Utah. But I just, I want to pray over you, because uh, uh, I, I, I believe I, I, God wants to bless you, and I, I just want to pray that over you. So, Father, I come to you, and I thank you for your people. I thank you that there are people that have gotten a hold of your heart in generosity and, and giving, and 
Uh, I just pray your blessing over them. I pray that as they give faithfully to you, that you would uh, meet their needs, that you would stretch their finances where they need to go, that you would encourage them, that you would strengthen them in body, that you would uh, be with them and, and walk with them. And I just pray that you would bless them, bless the giver, and bless this church to continue to move forward in uh, spreading the good news to our community. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, and I was going to say, this church really has stepped up. I mean, we have people that are stepping up for kids' ministry downstairs, uh, the nursery, uh, the worship team, outreaches. Uh, people, Pete and Connie, have come and helped organize and clean this place. So I just thank you for everyone pulling, pulling some weight because there's a lot of work that happens inside a church, a lot more than I think people realize. So thank you from the, the bottom of my heart for that. Now, last week we started a series going over the book of Galatians. It's a little little letter written by the Apostle Paul, and it's rooted in freedom. And I feel last week I really gave way too much information. Um, it probably felt more like a classroom than anything else. Uh, and much to your dismay, I'm going to give you more information today. I think context and backstory and history all kind of helps the story enrich in it and make it uh, more applicable to us today. So we're going to continue that study. Um, and today kind of reminded me of a couple of stories from growing up, and maybe you can relate. So uh, as a kid, I would go every now and then deer hunting with my father. And um, again, this is my confessional for the day. Um, we, uh, we're sitting around the campfire. It's cold. It's in October. There's snow, so we're sitting at the fire. And uh, I've got my feet up by the fire, and my dad's like, yeah, Forrest, you might want to move your feet. Why? You're going to melt your boots. No, Dad, I'd, I'm not going to melt my boots. And you would think that by seeing the steam and stuff coming from the soles of my boots, it would have registered. It did not, and I melted the bottom of my boots. And another time we were out deer hunting, uh, again, it was cold, and the, we were by this little creek and a little pond, and the water had started to freeze. And all the cousins are out there walking on the ice, and my dad's like, Forrest, don't, don't go walking on the ice. Don't do it. But they're doing it. I'll be fine. So I wander out there, and I go where everyone else is not going, and I fall through the ice. And I've, I've been tall pretty much my whole life. I was 6'5 by the ninth grade. Um, so I was really disappointed when I stopped at 6'5 because I wanted to be 6'9. But um, <laughs> thankfully, I was kind of taller than all of my cousins because Grandpa in the truck had an extra pair of pants. So I spent the rest of the day in Grandpa's backup pants sitting in the truck with the heater. And... Uh, you would think that I would have learned my lesson, but we move into adulthood, and God has blessed us with a, a beautiful home, a beautiful yard, and I wanted the, a place for the kids to be able to play. And Adam can attest, because he was there, we dug a hole in, in my backyard for a trampoline, which was no easy feat. See, the, my backyard off of the patio is level, and then it slopes down to street level. So 
I wanted to somehow utilize the slope. So we dug out uh, like a little alcove here for the trampoline. And then I wanted them to have a playground. And Allison's parents, their neighbors, uh, their kids had grown up. Their grandkids didn't play on it anymore. And they gave us a play set. And uh, it was really nice. It was really cool. It's three levels. I should have taken a picture of it. So it's got a lower deck, a middle deck, and it's got a roof on it and swings and stuff. And so we tore it down, took it to the house, and to make it secure, we had to dig out footings, and Adam was there again. He's like my hired hand. He, he's always there helping me with my projects. Um, so if you want a project, come on over. <laughs> um, I'll give you food. <laughs> And uh, so anyway, uh, Adam's there, my father-in-law's there, and I have set in my mind this, we're going to put it in the corner, right next to the fence, we're going to put it right here. And my father-in-law's like, ah, do you want it that close to the fence? The kids can walk off of the top level and st actually stand on the fence. I'm like, yeah, if they fall off, they'll only fall off once because it'll hurt and they won't want to do it again. And then uh, the back fence, he's like, do you want it that close to the back fence? I'm like, yeah, I, I don't want to give up a lot of my yard for it. And so I dug my heels in, and we dug the footings, got it all set, all level, hook up the swings, and the kids go to swing, and they go. <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 there was no swinging. It was more of a sway. <laughs> it was, and everyone looked at me like, we tried to tell you. And so, thankfully, Adam, the engineer, helped me figure out a way to move the swings forward. So the, the kids have a little more of a swing. They can still hit the fence. But I can be quite stubborn. I cannot be easily persuaded. Uh, can you guys <laughs> relate to my stories at all? Uh, or maybe you're on the opposite end. And if there's good information and someone you trust telling you, you can be persuaded. Um, I, I am not easily persuaded. Once I believe something, know something, it's very hard for me to be swayed. And that's what we're going to talk about today is being persuaded into something that we shouldn't be persuaded into. And um, the, remember, last week we looked at how Galatians was all kind of rooted in one verse, and that was Galatians 5.1. And it says, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. This was a place where the Galatians kind of were in. They were, the, the society they lived in was kind of, it was poverty stricken. It wasn't um, a, a society that was clean. It was a dirty place. Uh, life expectancy wasn't very long. Um, uh, the average male lived to age 45. The average female lived to age 38. So teenagers, you're middle-aged. In Galatia, I would almost be dead, and my wife would be, well, I'm not going to tell you how old she is. That's, she, she's middle-aged too. Uh, but Galatia was not the, the, the best place, and God, the, God sends Paul and his uh, partner there, uh, Barnabas, Barnabas? Barabbas. Barnabas. Barnabas, thank you, to Galatia to minister to these people. And last week we looked at how Paul, his story, he was the Pharisee of Pharisees. 
He was the best. He was trained under Gamaliel, the highest Pharisee in the land, and he was proud of that title. He was proud of who he was. He knew the law better than anyone. And then we saw his zeal through his persecution of the church. He was willing to persecute you, not only just like faith to faith, but he was going to pursue you. He was going to go into your home. He was going to go from city to city and take you and not only imprison you, but even sign off on your death because he saw that this new way of life, this new belief was um, a hindrance. It was false. And then we looked at how uh, on his way to Damascus, Jesus got a hold of him. He, he had an experience with Jesus where Jesus asked him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Because Paul's name was Saul, and then it was later changed. And where we see that he was blinded and was led uh, into Damascus, and then uh, someone came and ministered to him, and the Bible says what looked like scales came off of his eyes, and his heart uh, uh, was changed, and he was open to the gospel. And we... Uh, we learn that there is no heart so hard that Jesus can't soften it. That if someone so hard as Paul could be changed, then whoever we are dealing with, whoever is in our life is so difficult, they also can be changed. Even us, we can be so hard. I shared my story of how I was hard, and uh, even today, it's stubborn. And, um, and how God can soften our hearts and how God uses us to do that. And that there's different phases. There's the sowing phase, the watering phase, the reaping phase, and, and how God can use us to minister to those people. So my question, why was Paul so passionate about freedom in Christ? Why, why did it shape it? Why did it change him? What was it that, because uh, you see, Paul's zeal didn't change. He was still a zealous man. It didn't, it wasn't he was the Pharisee and then the Christian, and the Christian never, never, no longer had that. He was the same. His zeal had just changed now for freedom in Christ, freedom given, provided through him. And I think we'll, we'll find some of that today, and we'll pick that up in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. You know, and, and we're going to read here that the church is abandoning their the belief that they had when Paul was there. They're being persuaded into something different. And it brought me to this thought that um, what, what, what would this look like if we take these few verses and compact it into a sentence? And it was, don't be persuaded to give away your freedom in Christ. Don't be persuaded to give away your freedom in Christ. Let's look at verse 6. It says this, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Verse 10, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. You know, 
there was a philosopher that was very influential, even still today, and his name was Aristotle. Um, I was reading up on him, and a lot of the things that he taught in his school, a lot of the things that he uh, wrote down are still being studied and used today. Uh, and it, it's uh, said that he was one of the first true scientists in uh, our world and has much influence over the Western way of life. And uh, Pastor Rich shared this quote with me from him, and it's, um, it's really good. And it says this, educating the mind without educating the heart is no education at all. I count him braver who overcomes his desires than him who conquers his enemies. For the hardest victory is over self. The society that loses its grip on the past is in danger, for it produces men who know nothing but the present. And we are not aware and are not aware that life had been and could be different from what it was. Now, what is, what is he saying there? He's saying that the, the hardest struggle for us isn't that our, our battle with other people, but it's the battle with, within ourselves, that uh, within us we have uh, this inner dialogue, this, sometimes this uh, inner battle, and to overcome the desires of ourselves is, in, in his mind, greater than the person that overcomes an enemy, and then he follows it up with the person that doesn't, um, that loses sight of the past, uh, it, it produces someone that doesn't know where they've come from and, and where they're going. And, and that's a dangerous place, and I think we see that a lot in our culture today. In fact, I just saw in Illinois, um, one of their representatives has suggested that they no longer teach history in school, that they remove it completely. Um, and I'm a firm believer that if you don't know your history, you're bound to repeat it. We, we have to know where we've been, what we've come through, so that we don't repeat it again. And we need to be mindful of that. And another thing that um, Aristotle came up with was three different levels of persuasion. You may have heard of them. Well, they're called ethos, pathos, and logos. Um, ethos is your credibility. You can't really persuade anybody if you're not credible. You get your credibility through your education, your experience, your reputation. All of those things add up to making you more credible to persuade somebody. Pathos is the emotional component, or I say the passion. Now, passion, emotion, is a very strong uh, way of persuading someone. I, growing up in the church I grew up in, uh, within the Assemblies of God, you see uh, how passion and emotion can really play a part, and if it takes hold too far, things can get out of hand, and we need to balance that. And I think we see today in our culture and in our society people reacting out of passion and out of um, emotion more than anything. They're willing to go and do things uh, based on sheer emotion without really knowing why they're doing it. Why are we saying these things? Why, why are we posting these things? Uh, when you ask them, you confront them, they really don't have the best answers. We have to be very conscious of our emotions and logos that is the logical center for persuasion this is your mind this is being convinced of something other than what is previously you've previously been holding on to and all three of these things 
play into being persuaded. And Paul is asking these questions of the Galatians. Why are you being so easily persuaded into something different than what you've already known? Maybe uh, they were strictly emotional when they converted to Christianity from believing in the, the pagan gods of Zeus and, and Hercules. And, and maybe it didn't take root. It didn't go from their 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 heart and their and their, their emotions, but into their, their mind. It, maybe there was a disconnect there, maybe logically, or um, maybe they didn't see Paul as credible. We don't know. I, I wasn't there. So I don't know what the reason was, but Paul is concerned that they're being so easily persuaded. And we see this. We're going to jump back into Galatians 1, verse 6, um, where he says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. You see, faith has, has to translate for more than just knowledge. Uh, we see that in Paul's conversion. Paul had all the knowledge. If there was anyone that should have known that the Messiah was coming, who the Messiah was going to be, it was this man that had studied his whole life to see this one person. But the head knowledge didn't translate into heart knowledge until Jesus confronted him. And he's, he's I would imagine Paul's kind of wondering, well, what, what, where's the disconnect here? You know, is it just that you haven't had that experience with him? Is it just head knowledge? Uh, why are you being so easily persuaded? And I think he kind of answer, answers this question in verses 7 through 9 when he says, uh, not that there is another one speaking of a different gospel, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say it again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. I warned you last week I might step on your toes. And this is the part where I might step on your toes. And I think it's okay because I do it out of love. I do it because I think we need to be challenged because if we don't root what we believe in truth, why believe it? And I think right here, the, the, what Paul's referring to is back then in the day of Galatians, um, the Jews were coming in and they were preaching to the Galatians that you need to also adopt the law. It's just not faith uh, and grace and Jesus, but you also have to follow the rules of the law. And the big one that they were pushing for was circumcision. They wanted all of the men to be circumcised. And Paul's coming in and saying, no, we've been, we've been set free from that. We, we as Jews couldn't even fulfill the law. Now, we expect these people that didn't grow up with the law, don't know the law, to fulfill and follow the law. No, that's what Jesus did. Jesus fulfilled the law so that we are now under grace. We are now able to live uh, free of any condemnation because of what Jesus did. And um, my friends, I think today we don't have people telling us that we need to uh, be circumcised, but we have people that are constantly trying to tell us a different gospel, a different good news. Uh, the gospel is basically, it's, it means good news. And what this book has to teach, what this book tells us, brings us to that good news that 
all men have fallen short of the glory of God, but through Jesus, God provided that way for us to have that right relationship with him. But the world around us wants to teach us something different, and it, we have to be cautious. We have to be careful not to adopt these beliefs. Back to what Aristotle said, he said that we have to learn to take control of our desires. You see, the world wants me to believe that because I feel or desire a certain thing, then that's okay. That's my truth. When the only truth there is, is God's word. This is the absolute truth. So when the world is telling me that because I am born a man or a boy and I feel like I am a female and that's okay, that is contrary to God's word. That is not okay. It, it, it is a, a lifestyle that is contrary to God and is sin. The same with a person that has uh, homosexual desires. It is contrary to what God's word says. And we can't begin to adopt these beliefs that are being taught by the world that this is okay because God's word says it's not. I saw a video on Facebook, and it was incredibly disturbing. And um, I feel I have to share it because we need to know because we need to do, th we, we need to, to stand up. There, there's um, a guy at work I talk with all the time, the silent majority, the silent majority. We cannot be the silent majority. We need to be the vocal majority because the world is taking over everything. And, and, and the world needs Jesus. It needs grace. It needs truth. And this video was people holding a seminar trying to tell people that pedophilia is okay, that because I identify, that, that, that it's, uh, it, breaks, it breaks my heart. It, it's so twisted that they're trying to d differentiate between pedophilia and a pedophile. A pedophile is a grown person that preys on kids, but pedophilia, uh, and I might be saying this wrong, but pedophilia is, if I identify myself as an eight-year-old boy, it's no longer wrong. It, 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 that's not okay. What this is, it, we, and I, I commented on that post, and I said, this, is, this doesn't need acceptance. This needs repentance. We, we need to be uh, willing to, to, to tell the truth. Do we... Do we step on people's toes are we rude are we callous are we cold do we fight no we do it in love but we have to tell the truth if the truth doesn't get told how can people be changed by the truth of jesus christ if we're not willing to have that conversation if we're not willing to stand up for what we believe then what good is it in believing it and i think that's what we're seeing here paul's like you guys believed when I was there, and now someone comes in and tells you something different. Why are you so easily persuaded? We can't be persuaded by this new gospel of the world. We can't be persuaded by what it's teaching us is good and is okay, because it's not, because it's contrary to God's word. We have to be rooted in truth. And we move into uh galatians 10 and he says this for am i now seeking the approval of man or of god or am i trying to please man if i were still trying to please man i would not be a servant of christ see following jesus causes us to change 
And through our changed lives, other lives are changed. I've said it many times that when we decide to make Jesus Lord of our life, our life looks different. Our life looks different because we are no longer drawn, we no longer want to, to please those, those parts of ourself, but we want to do all things to glorify God. We want to be a people that wants to please God. I, I was um, reading this article about uh, Jim Caviezel, and it was talking about how in his movies they have tried to persuade him to do inappropriate scenes. And they ended, uh, the end of the article ended with this quote by him. And he said, I would rather be, this is a paraphrase, but I would rather be uh, a, a laughingstock or a joke to the world than to God. See, his faith so compelled him that he wasn't willing to, to, to bend on what God's word says, that he was more concerned about what God thought of him than what man thinks of him. Who are we? Are we the same way? Are we more concerned with who we are before God. Like we see with Joseph and, and the temptation of Potiphar's wife. She wants him to come into her bed, and he says, I will not sin against God. I, I won't do it, and he runs from it. Who are we trying to please, God or man? So I, I, again, I throw at you, don't be persuaded to give away your freedom in Christ. Don't be persuaded to give away your freedom See, why was Paul effective? How did the gospel change? How did, it, how did it change and shape his life? What was his experience with Jesus? He knew Jesus. Do you know Jesus? If you do, share him. See, he knew now what true freedom was. He knew the full weight of the law. He knew what the law required. And he wanted people to know that there was something better that something better was Jesus. And through Jesus, we had that freedom. We have that freedom to go and live our lives. And take it from a person, I grew up in church. Uh, it's, it's all I've known my whole life. Mom made sure I went. Um, and for fear of disappointing my parents, for fear of uh, disappointing myself and ruining a reputation I had, I, I stayed away from stuff. I, I wanted, I didn't want my parents to get mad at me, but I was still, what the world had to offer was tempting, and I would be lying that now, even 38 years old, that sometimes it looks good. The party life looks good. The, the, the living, the, the promiscuous life, it looks fun. Uh, living a life fulfilling the desires of me looks fun, but I know that through friends, I know that through the few things that I did, it doesn't fulfill. I know the friends that said, I tried the drugs, I did it, but it didn't do anything but leave a hole inside of me. I tried the, 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 the sex craze thing, and all it did was it left me empty inside. And this is what Paul's trying to get the Galatians to grasp. You have freedom. You don't have to go back to that. That's not who you were before doesn't matter because you are now a new creation in Christ. And he wants them to live in that freedom. He knew what true freedom was. I think another reason he was so effective is he, under knew his, he understood his place within the movement. He knew 
his role. Galatians 1, 15 through 16 says, But when God, who sent, set me apart from birth and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his Son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. God had a plan for him. God had a purpose for him. Just like God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. God wants to take you to places that you, you've never expected. Uh, never did I, I think that I would move to Stansbury, to Tooele, to find myself in this little church among you guys, but I wouldn't change it for the world. God had a plan for me and orchestrated it for me to be here. God has a plan for you, and Paul understood that plan. What is your place within God's kingdom? You see, Paul wanted them to understand who they were in Jesus. Not who they were in the law, but who they were in Jesus. Who are you in Jesus? Why go back? Why give up that freedom? So I'll say it one more time. Don't be persuaded to give away your freedom in Christ. Don't be persuaded. This is where you can be stubborn. Dig in your heels. Just don't do it on house project when someone knows better. <laughs> One of the greatest ways to persuade somebody is through the life we live, through who we are. We can say words, we can say words, we can say words, but if your life doesn't match your words, people won't find you credible. Aristotle said this, one last quote from him, character may almost be called the most effective means of persuasion. Who we are matters. What our character is matters. And if we allow God to change our character, to change our desires into what his desires are, into what he longs for, he longs that none should perish, but all should have everlasting life. He desires that all be set free from the, the weight of sin and guilt. He, he desires that all would live with him in eternity. Is that our desire? Is that who we are on the inside? And does that reflect in who we are, in our character? So that when we have that friend, when we have that person, they won't hear what I have to say, but they watch the way I live. Will they know that there's a difference? Will they know that there's something inside of me that's different that causes them to ask questions? You might say to me, but Forrest, I don't feel free. So maybe you don't know how to tell of Jesus' freedom. I understand. I'm with you. I'm human. Even though I am up here, I still have my struggles. I still have the things I deal with. Um, I can be a hothead. Um, I can be judgmental. I can be, you know, I, I got my own stuff to work on. So I understand but you don't have to be perfect to be used by God. You don't have to have it all together because Jesus is walking with you through the process. My friends, on my own, I am not worthy to stand here and talk to you. On my own, I have no right. But because of who I am in Jesus, because my righteousness comes from Him, He makes it to where I am able to stand here and teach. I am no different than you. You're no different than me. God will use you where you are at. He will use you 
together we can find, we can live, and we can share the freedom of Jesus that we have found together. Don't be persuaded to give away your freedom. What the world has to offer, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your people. I thank you that you give us freedom. Help us to realize the freedom we have in you. Help us to understand that it is through your grace that we have forgiveness, that it is through you we have peace. And I pray, Father, that you would help us to not be persuaded, to give up the truths that we know that are in your word, just to please man. But Lord, may our heart be concerned with pleasing you. May our heart be concerned with glorifying you, that people would be drawn to you, that they would come to know you, that they would come to know Jesus as their Savior. Help us to be that light in this world. Help us to go forth. Lord, fill our mouths with your words. May our speech be full of grace and seasoned with salt that we know how to answer everybody. Help us, Father, to live lives that can impact even when our words can't. Help us, Father, to go into the world, into our workplace, to our neighbors, to the grocery store, wherever we are at, and show people the freedom provided in Jesus. We thank you, Father, for your grace. We thank you for Jesus. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen. Man, that's, there's such a misconception about Christianity that I, I want people to grab hold of. Christianity is not chains. It's not being bound. It's being set free to be who you were meant to be in Christ. And, and I want to, people to know that because the world looks good, but it's junk. It, it's, it's, not, it's not for you, and it's not for them. They just don't know it yet. So go with... Go out and be the, the light and the salt of the earth. I love you guys. I thank you for being here. On your way out, grab flyers. They're ready. Grab a flyer to hand out for the backpack giveaway. And um, we'll uh, see you next week. And sign up. Sign up to, to be here. I want to see your face on Saturday. <laughs>